So this morning we come to 1 John chapter 4, and the reason behind that is is that this call is to love one another. Um, if you're with us on Wednesday night, we walk through Philippians 2, this in humility, consider others more important than yourselves. And as one of your pastors, I just felt really strongly that it was an important time, especially as we come back together, as there's so much division uh, in our nation, as there's division on what people should do in response to, to COVID-19 and how social distancing should look and mask and on and on. I mean, there's just all these issues and tension. And I really want to set before us this the heartbeat of God's Word to love one another. Love one another. And today's text, listen, is not only a call to one another, it answers some questions that you probably have. Maybe you wonder at times, like, who is God? Does he love me? If so, like, how might I know that he loves me? Maybe at times, like, you've, you've wondered about, like, am I really a Christian? Am I, like, really saved? How could I know that? And today's text is going to bring that to us. Maybe in the midst of this pandemic, you, you've um, been maybe more observant of Christianity, just wondering what it looks like. And maybe you're just here today, and you've wondered, what does a Christian actually look like? Today's text shows us that a believer is someone who loves one another. But there's also some tension in this text, right? I mean, let's be honest. We all hear this call, and we often want to say, I love God, and yet we so often struggle to do that. For others, like, I mean, let, let's, let's just be honest. We love to say, God, I love you, like, right here where I am, yet God is continually calling us to move and to respond. For others of us, again, as we think about this text today, we often feel maybe like this tension or this, this struggle with how do I love this God whom I can't see? And yet the text reminds us today that there's a struggle as well. And that's with loving those that you can see. But the beauty is this, as John is going to set before us, he's going to say this statement in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. And our loving, he's going to show us in the text today, demonstrates the fact that we are truly God's children we are born of god john sets before us three big ideas the first one is this love one another because love is from god love one another because love is from god he begins in verse 7 by saying this beloved let us love one another so again that's the call to love one another notice what he says here four here's the why he's going to give us three the first one is this love is from god Love is from God. Notice what he says to them further. He he provides evidence of what this love is like. Anyone, he says, who does not love does not know God. So he says real quickly, listen, if you don't love, you don't know God. Why? Because, notice what he says here, God is love. It's interesting, again, that John calls us to examine our faith to see if it's indeed genuine. And John says, prove it by the way you love others. Notice that John doesn't say that love is God, like everything isn't God, right? God is love. It's not his only attribute, that of love, but he is defined specifically as a God of love. And I think it also maybe presses to us maybe two questions. The first one is this, what does God's love even look like? Like, how how would I know what, if he's a God of love, then like, what's that mean? Like, who is this God? How might I know him? Well, look what he says further to us, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. So again, we have the love of God. And notice what John says here. It's going to be made manifest. It's going to be made known among us. Here's how it is. That, he says. Notice what here. 
God sent. So God acted, right? Love does. Love acts. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. God, God, love acts. Bob Goff says love does. It isn't some merely philosophical idea when it comes to love, like, oh, I love sports, or I love hunting, or I love to cook, or I love Coke Zero. Like, come on now. There is the real thing, right? I mean, let's be honest, though. We often have this, this term that we throw around to all the things that we have affinity for. I love this and that. But the truth is, God is love. And He expresses His love By acting. And what does he do specifically? He sends his own son. It's this beautiful moment, right? I mean, God acts by sending his son into the world. Look what he says further to them. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Notice, hear that again. It's not that we have loved God, but, it says, he has loved us. Wow. Because God's love is is first, it's primary. Our response is to God's love. We love, as he says there in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. When Emily and I first met, like I I was, man, I was head over heels. Some of you more seasoned folks might say smitten, right? I mean, listen, I was passionate about her, just like the smell of her hair, the smile on her face. Like when, when I would see her interact with, with folks, I would just see this kind and compassionate heart. When I would see her love for the Lord, it just moved me, how she competed in sports, right? I mean, it, it was, and then like the first time, the first time that she held my hand, like my heart almost exploded. And to her daddy, for the record, Ed Pavey, your daughter held my hand first. That is a fact. But why do I share that? I share that because, listen, it's often easy to love somebody who sends you love notes, right? It's easy to love somebody, or easier, nonetheless, to love somebody who, who cares about you and cares about your interest. And it's easy to love somebody that's willing to drive an hour and a half one way to see you just because, like, I couldn't go another day without seeing you. Love you, babe. Listen, beloved, listen, this is what's so amazing, is that God loves us not when we loved Him, but while we were still enemies. While we're in rebellion to His Word and to His commands, I mean, it's this amazing thing that God loves us. That's what he says. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. It's this unbelievable moment of hope and beauty. And we need to ask maybe like, well, what does that love tell us? Look what he says back in verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he had loved us and sent his son. Why did God send his son? Right? That's a good question. Why did God send his son? To be, you notice what he says here, the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means that God has anger towards sin. And that propitiation indicates that Christ has satisfied it. There's one who can appease, who can bear the wrath and the judgment of God. But listen, notice there, I mean, I think it tells us about God's love and, and what's going on here. Notice he says, to be the propitiation for our sins. This text can't be taken to say that since God is love and He loves the world, then everybody must be saved. No, the text is clear that our sins need, He says there, they need propitiation. And that moved God to send His Son. That moved God to act. Why does it need to be propitiation? Why does our sin need some type of rescue, some type of remedy, some type of payment to God? Well, it's because God is holy and righteous. And therefore, listen, 
our sin arouses His holy anger, it brings forth His wrath, His judgment. Our sin isn't okay in God's sight. It demands a payment. Don't believe, be deceived into believing this, this, this lie that a loving God would never send anyone to hell. Why? Because right here in the text, we have the very statement that God is love, and yet this God is demanding payment for sin. So this God is a God of love, yes, but He's also at the very same time a God of holiness and righteousness and judgment. And the Bible says that the love of God and the justice of God met in one place, in one man, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a moment of fresh air, of beauty and hope to us as sinners. And this is hope, right? And so as John begins, you might need to ask this first diagnostic question. Is there enough evidence of my love for others to convict me as a follower of Christ? Now listen, John begins there. He not only gives us right this first call to, to love one another because God, God is love, but the second thing he shows us there in verse 7 is loving one another gives evidence. It manifests the fact that you are born of God. So loving one another gives evidence that you are born of God. Look what he says again, back in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For, he says first, love is from God. Secondly, look what he says to us. Whoever loves has been born of God. That's an interesting statement. Has been. He doesn't say that they might or hopefully they will be. No, he says that they have been born of God. How do we come to love to one another? Well, look what he says back in verse 9 here. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son in the world so that... Why did God do this? He says that we might live through Him, through Christ. The Son of God came that you and I might live through Him. Why? Because our default course is not to love others. That doesn't just come hardwired in our DNA. Christ is coming to redeem and to save us, to indwell us. Notice that, that we might live through Him. It's Christ in you, as Paul says in Colossians 1 and 27, that is the hope of glory. That we begin to love others who are God's image bearers on earth. Why? Because that's what was lost in the garden. Right back in Genesis chapter 3, in Adam and Eve's sin, right? It's lost in the garden. They are not loving one another. They're not loving God. Therefore, God now has to come and rescue us by the sending of His Son that now He indwells us by grace alone, through faith alone, who Christ who indwells us and empowers us in us. Christ in you empowers you to love one another. But might we ask, like, well, how do we come to be born of God? Like, I mean, that's an amazing statement, like that those who love one another, right? They've, they've been born of God, but... How do we even come to be born of God? Well, listen, remember back in the text, God displayed His Son, by, displayed His love by sending His Son. Listen to what else God does here in verse 13. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. So again, this abiding, this indication of a relationship, right? That we are abiding in God and God abiding in us. And, and, and John says the reason we know this is true, this is happening because, he says, notice what he says here, he has given us of his spirit. That God not only put forth his son, he didn't stop there. John says, I want you to know that God sent forth his spirit to indwell you, the Holy Spirit of God. And he says, this is a transforming moment. Right? So we might be wondering, like you're wondering, like, what, how could I ever know that, that God's like truly forgiven me? And John says, well, it's because God's given you His Spirit. 
that you abide in Him and He abides in you. And it, listen, it's receiving the Spirit of God that we are now enabled to respond to this blessed gospel. Look what he says, verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Notice John says two things. He says that we have seen it and now we testify. Specifically that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. It's interesting that John says that we have seen. Why? Because Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says the God of this age, he's, he's blinded the minds of unbelievers. They can't see the gospel, the glory of Christ. But John says that now by the work of the Holy Spirit, as the Father acts to give the Spirit, we now are empowered to enable us to be able to see who Christ truly is. We see that he's in fact the Savior of the world. Right? That's why in Amazing Grace we sing those words. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I what? Now I see. Right? What awakened for us from our blindness? John Newton writes and says it was this. It was amazing what? Amazing grace. So what's our response? Like what should be your response to what God has done for you in Christ? Well, look what happens here. How do we respond to this? He says, verse 15 of John, 1 John 4, whoever, notice what he says, confesses. Whoever. Stop thinking you're unqualified. Stop thinking you've done too much. Stop thinking you're unworthy. In fact, guess what? That's the truth. We all are. And that's why the Bible says it's whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. Listen again, that statement. What are we confessing? We're stating that Jesus truly is the Son of God. As we heard back there in verse 14, He's in fact the Savior of the world. John says, listen, you must confess this. Why? Because whoever does this, he says, God now abides in him and he in God. He's saying there, as he just said, you now receive the Spirit of God. It's the abiding of God in you as you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But like, what's the evidence that we have been born again? Like, that this has actually happened. John says, the evidence that you've been born again, that the Spirit of God indwells you, is that you love one another. That's the mark, right? I mean, you could talk about it all day. You hear James probably in the New Testament here in his letter in the background saying people all day long are claiming, I've got faith, I've got faith. And James says, show it. John similarly says, listen, that's a beautiful thing that you could never rescue yourself. And God sent his son to be the savior of the world. And if you would confess and believe upon him, you would be saved and receive the spirit of God. And now you're wondering like, well, how do I know? How might I know if I see a true believer? And John says, well, you'll know it by their love, right? We sing that. They will know us by our love. And it's just, just hope, right? I mean, and listen, John says it's, it's our loving. We love because he first loved us. We're following his example. This week, uh, we're blessed, right, that as the schools come and they bring those, those meals, we're thankful for those on, on Mondays and Wednesdays and thankful for GBC folks here who send meals out on Thursdays and Sundays. And, but it was Wednesday and Judah got this little pizza lunchable and and he was excited. He said, Dad, I would so want this. And so we're pulling it out at lunch and making that little pizza lunchable. And I throw it in the microwave. And I, I put it in there for 15 seconds, right? It's, it's not my strength, right? As that thing goes on, I, I can notice, right, there's some flames coming out of my microwave. Just kidding, right? But no, I mean, nonetheless, that baby was heating up. And so about one second, man, I hit the door and pop it open. And there's one second left. And I pull it out. And that baby's like sizzling. So I let him cool down. And it cools down enough he can eat it. And then I hear him. He's preparing the second one. And he goes over the microwave. He says, Dad, how long? I said, buddy, we did 15. Just do 10 seconds this time. And, and so he throws that bad boy in there for 10 seconds. And I'm walking over just to check on it. And at one second, he does this. Boom, he hits the door and it pops open. And I said, Judah, 
Dude, I told you to put it in there for 10 seconds. Why did you take it out at one second? He said, because I saw you do that, Dad. See, I wondered. I, I wonder, GBC. In the midst of the coronavirus and, and the different restrictions and things that are asked to be done, in the midst of our culture with all the racism and political divide, like by the way that you love one another, and somebody might ask why you do that, might you simply say, because I saw my father love me that way first. And it won't make sense, because you may stop the microwave, you may stop things a second too soon, it would seem to everyone else, but you have seen what your father has done. So Judah's words just ring in my ears, because I saw you do it, Dad. So we love one another because God is love and because we have been born again. But thirdly, we loving one another gives evidence that you actually know God. Loving one another, John says here back in verse 7, is evidence that you know God. Beloved, let us love one another, he says, for, right? Love is from God first. Secondly, whoever loves has been born of God. And whoever loves, he says, actually knows God. Notice, listen, we don't have time today, but if you read the entire letter, you're going to know that this this statement here about knowing God is an important one. John uses that word, but again, we're not exactly sure the setting of 1 John, but it's likely that this word Gnosticism, right, it indicates knowledge or some type of secret knowledge. And there were people even, uh, we hear throughout the letter that maybe people have been in the church and, and they're trying to lead people astray. Like this thought that maybe like you're actually good enough as you are and there's no real need of repentance and faith and John is just combating that, right? Those that maybe claim that they don't have no sin and there's really sin's not that serious. John's coming and pushing against that and he's saying, listen, if you really know God, if you truly know God, you will love one another. So look what he says as we continue in our text, jumping to verse 16 now. So we have come, it's that word again he's using, so we have come to know and to believe the Lord that God has for us, believe the love that God has for us. So again, listen to what he says there, we have have come. Again, that same indication that it's already happened, it's a present happening. We have come to know and we have come to believe the love that God has for us. Listen, this isn't some secret formula of how do you get into Christ? How do you come to know God the Father? John says, listen, we've actually already come to know. We've come to believe that Jesus is in fact the Son of God, that He's the Savior of the world. He's the one that can satisfy God's judgment towards sin. Listen, some of you, listen, you're deceived because people are telling you you need to do this, this, or that, or you may need to perform this sacred rite, or you need to go to this place and and, and perform this to be... uh, satisfying to God to be welcome into his presence so to speak and John says it's not it there's only one way to get to the father and it is through the son the Lord Jesus Christ John says listen we have come to know and to believe so beloved you must hold fast to the word of God look hard you might be asking, though, well, Blake, what difference will it make today that I actually know God? Like, is there anything that's impacting my life? Well, look what John says as we come to verse 17. By this, this abiding that he's been talking about, by this abiding the Spirit of God indwelling us, this is love perfected with us so that, notice what he says there, so that we may have confidence. For when? He says, for 
the day of judgment. Notice that. Listen to this. By this is love perfected with us. You want to know what's so important about all that's happening here? John says that as we abide in him and as we begin to express that by loving one another, we truly know. And now he says this comes so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Being in Christ is by faith is expressing by our love of one another provides confidence that we are in Christ as you as God at work in you as the text is saying God is work in you listen this love is being expressed to others it brings confidence for you that you are truly in God and the day of judgment will not consume you the wrath of God you will not be cast into hell why because Christ as he says he has saved us from our sins he is the atoning sacrifice he's the one that can please God it is only Christ it is such beautiful text so john writes to us there is no fear in love verse 18 but perfect love cast out fear man fear that's like a buzzword right now he says listen you want to know the real thing that you should fear it's not necessarily COVID 19 he says what you should fear is the day of judgment that's the ultimate thing you should fear and he says there is a way of rescue from that and it's because the love of god has come and given his son for you He says, if you will believe whosoever confesses, if you will confess the son, he says, I want you to know, listen, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear for, he says, fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love, right? I mean, it's this hope that Christ rescues us, that we no longer have to fear death. Can you imagine that? Death is no longer the enemy. Can you imagine as believers how we might live differently in this culture? Others are fearing, worrying, all these unknowns. And he says to us, listen, we no longer have to fear death. Why? Because we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans 5 and 1, what hope the gospel brings No wonder we sing, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the what? The everlasting arms of Christ my Savior. But listen, this beauty, I mean, it seems clear that John, by what he's showing all that God's done for us, he's trying to say, listen, guys, love one another. And he's wanting to show everything that God's done for us. Let this love compel you to love one another because God first loved you. Now go and love one another. Right? I mean, we should ask, though, I mean, because God came toward us in the midst of our sin and our dirtiness, our sickness, right? We might use that verbiage. How might we respond in the midst of this time? I mean, how might we strive, even though we're striving to maintain social distancing? And for some of you, you may be a comprised immunity or because of your age, right? There's, there's dangers and restrictions. But for many of us, listen, because of our age or health, listen, I want to compel you. How might you move toward instead of running away? from COVID-19 and the coronavirus? How might you begin to make those steps in that direction to share the love of God? Why? Because Rodney Stark in his book, The Triumph of Christianity, he shares that it was the year 165 AD. The emperor Marcus Aurelius is ruling over Rome and a pandemic strikes. Right? Some medical historians believe that it was the first appearance of smallpox in the West, but nobody's absolutely certain. During this 15-year epidemic, like, listen, there was like either a quarter up to a third of the population that died. There were so many deaths that we literally had a, a wagon and they were rolling people out of Rome and the cities because there was so much death. 
About a century later came another great plague. And listen, it began to strike so many people that people were fearful, right? They were running from family, from friends, from neighbors, right? I mean, listen, they knew, like, if you got close to that, you could get it. And so people were running at all cost. Even one of the great physicians, he fled Rome to his country estate and stayed there until things had passed. Why? Because they didn't want any contact with the afflicted. But there was a beautiful thing in the midst of this. While other people were running out, Christians were running in. They were staying. They were loving. I mean, we've seen this expressed in our culture, right? As we've seen medical responders, right? Our medical folks, thank you. That while so many of us have a tendency, even myself, to draw back, you, you, you have gone to work, you have cared, you have loved on, you have, you have touched, you, you have been near to those who could impact you and your family, right? I mean, you, you've, you've, but listen, also as believers, right? I mean, doesn't this text, because God came near to us first in the midst of our dirtiness and sin, doesn't this compel us to go, to be that city on a hill, to be the salt of the earth? Right to provide to to move forward and listen. What's it might look like for you? I want to ask. Maybe it's it's just taking a meal, or maybe it's offering to provide groceries. Right? Maybe it's it's looking out to somebody that's lonely and just a phone call or a, a visit from far off. Right? It's keeping social distancing. Uh, maybe it's for somebody around you you know that's lost jobs or income and they're not sure right now in this season what that looks like. You instead of running away from them and thinking, well, I need to save up for me. What might be me? Right? Like, what if you ran toward? them beloved that's our heritage that's the christian heritage that we have inherited that's the tradition of our fathers and our mothers is one of running to why because we run to others why because we know that god first loved us and he ran to us didn't he it's this hope of the gospel maybe you think there's too much inconvenience in that it's too risky or maybe you'd say hey land i listen i love everybody there's no real problems with me well listen to what what he says here in verse 19 We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For, he says, he who does not love his brother whom he can see cannot love God whom he has not seen. Did you hear that? John says, listen, if you don't love your brother who you can see, how can you say that you love a God that you can't see? I mean, consider right now in the midst of, of, of this there's so much going on right i mean maybe one just component of that racially right now in america there's so much division right i mean we we heard of ahmaud arbery there the 25 year old african-american young man that was killed there in georgia by two white men i know it's an ongoing investigation but does it not move our hearts to see something like this happening in the midst of our culture i mean let's be honest as white Americans, we need to ask, like, do we think that would really happen if that was a white man out jogging? So what do we respond, right? I've got to wonder if our African-American community is looking to say, Christians, where are you? Why are you you so silent on racism? Why are you so quiet? Maybe not just on this issue, but on so many other instances we've had. Why? Because the text compels us in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. It says that we are to abhor what is evil. We are to long for what is good and be constant in prayer. Micah 6 and 8 says that we are to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. But it's not only, right, it's other ethnicities too that are being targeted. In the midst of of COVID-19, right, Asian Americans are being targeted. Why? Because their connection there with China and somehow the presumption is they've obviously brought this in here. 
And so there is racist incidents, there is hate speech, there is physical harm being done just because of the color of their skin, beloved. That is not the way for Christ image bearers to live. We are to love one another. We are to love one another. For some of us, we feel like maybe these things just aren't that big a deal. And let's be honest, it's probably because we're white and it doesn't affect us like it does others. We don't have to worry about going out in the public and being targeted or mistreated or possibly even killed just because of the color of our skin. I think John would rightfully ask us today, how can you say that you love a God whom you can't see when you don't love all of his image bearers that you can see? So I think there's, there's the call there of the text, but I think lastly I want to leave with this. There's a call to the church. We were there on Wednesday night, if you were with us, Philippians chapter 2, and, and Paul says this statement, complete my joy by being the same spirit, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Notice that statement, complete my joy. It's interesting, as I was studying through 1 John in preparation for this sermon, verse 4 says this of chapter 1, and we are writing these things so that, John says, I want you to know why I'm writing, so that our, look what he says, joy may be complete. This is about joy being complete. I share that. Why? Because many of you have asked, like, hey, listen, what could we do right now in this season to help with you, help the church, help our pastors? How can we support our leadership? And I want to leave, I want to leave you with this. Love one another. If you want to help and encourage and strengthen our church and, and be supportive to the pastoral leadership and, and the leadership that God's raised up, if you want to do that and you want to bring the light of the glory of God to this community, I want to compel you to love one another. And that may mean for some of you next week when you come into this place, you mask up, even though it's not your preference or what you think is necessary. But out of brotherly love, you mask up. For others of you, again, as you walk into this place, it may very well mean that, guess what, you have to maintain social distance and you are so excited to see somebody and you want to run up and talk, but the reality is out of respect and love for them, you're going to maintain social distance. For some of you, we don't know what it's going to look like and we may have to have multiple services. And I'm going to be honest with you, there is a high likelihood that you will not get your normal seat. I'm compelling you, don't get feisty, mad, salty, and pout and miss out on worshiping in here because you don't have your seat. In light of this text, I'm compelling you to love one another. Guys, in the midst of COVID-19 and all that we're facing, it's hard. I want to share with you that there's also some good news. This is also an opportunity for us to show the love of God by loving one another. And this culture needs it. And I firmly believe they will notice. GBC, are you loving one another? Would you pray with me? Father, in the strong name of Christ, we come. praying now, God, that you would open our eyes to the love that you have, that you loved us first, God. Thank you for loving us first. Father, I pray today for true, genuine repentance and faith to be professed. That whoever confesses, Lord, I pray for true confession God, and I pray now that as some of these things maybe hit our hearts hard or God may, by the power of your Spirit, reveal other areas of our lives that are hard. Father, I pray that folks would, instead of running away, they would run to you because you first came to us. Thank you, Father. Father, 
Mark this congregation by our love for one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, if you will repent and believe, confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, John declares to you that you will be forgiven, spared from the wrath of God. You will have peace and no longer have to fear the day of judgment. And God will send the Spirit of God. Christ will indwell you and empower you to love one another. Would you believe on Him today? This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.